I'm Beth. And I'm Leslie. And welcome to Quince. A little sweet. A little tart. And a little unexpected. It's Monday, December the 7th, 2015. And the word of the day is? Fear. Fear, my goodness, that's appropriate for being Pearl Harbor Day, isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Uh, I was just reading about that this morning. Um, a reminder of all the things that went on and how unexpected it all was. I can't imagine being on one of those boats in the harbor on the West Virginian or something and then just having these planes come in. Just and unreal. The world. Yep, unreal. Wow. There was a... Um, Apparently, they picked them up on radar, but they were expecting some planes. I didn't really knew that, know that before. It was on um, a little article I found this morning. And they were expecting a bunch of bombers in. Japanese? No, uh, American oh. bombers oh, to come uh, right. in. Yeah, to fly into... Right. Um, I can't remember the name of the field now, but got bombed. Mm -hmm. And so they uh, detected the Japanese coming, but they didn't do anything or make an alert because they assumed it was, you know, back then the technology just isn't what it was, is now. So that was tragic. Yes. Oh Although my how goodness. much they could have done that soon. Really, but yeah. No, but my goodness, how that fits into a word that we picked weeks ago. We did. Yes, you picked it. I picked it. Yes, you picked it. It came out of our discussion of zealot. Ah, and people being fearful. Yeah. Or, and lashing out. Oh, uh, yep. Lashing out, some of it. And I was going to open the um, dictionary and look up the definition. I think we should pay more attention to definitions. I think we should, too. Because things get kind of changed. The, the reading I've been doing lately, I've been looking up a lot more words instead of assuming that I know what they mean. Good for you. And... I figured out how dumb I am. <laughs> <laughs> I keep a dictionary right by my computer. I have an atlas, a dictionary. Good idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's usually more for spelling, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, the word fear, um, in Old English, or it came from Old English, meaning sudden danger. Mm. Um, and a lot of Latin there. Fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. An instance of this emotion is what fear would be. Um, a state marked by this emotion. Anxious concern, solicitude, profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. And I was going to talk about oh. God-fearing, what oh. that means, oh, yes. and reason for alarm or danger. That is a good point. Yes. I like all of those. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that was one thing. When I was a little girl, um, people talked about fearing God. And, of course, I only knew one definition of fear. Right. You know, and that was to be scared. You know, I don't even know it for sure if I knew fear as a word except for God-fearing. And then, um, as I grew older, it, and understood the um, the reverence that it truly means. But you know what? I don't think most people know that. I'm afraid they don't from things that I mm -hmm. see. But um, I guess yeah, the original Greek or uh, 
whatever Aramaic, Hebrew, I suppose it would have been in the Old Testament, was a word more like reverence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Have reverence for God. Right. And I, I try to say it that way when people, yeah. because people sometimes throw that in your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was a God-fearing man, and yeah. they didn't mean that he was just reverent. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and I think in most cases when I heard it, because I'm Presbyterian and we don't get to... No, we don't usually say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if I did hear it, it, it was generally meant reverent. You know, a fine, God-fearing woman or whatever. Right, right. You know, the, the, uh, she wasn't quaking before the throne type person. But um, yeah. So anyway, that, that was something that occurred to me when we were talking about it, uh, that it was devout rather than um, scared. You know, talking about fear as um, an emotion, um, my good friend J.C., He's the traveling pet sitter that yeah. travels the world. And we happened to get him here for a month in Meadows of Dan. And we were talking about fear. Uh -huh. And I like something he said. He said, anger is not a primary emotion, but more a result of fear. And it's important to be able to separate them when possible. And I, I really have thought about that okay. a lot because when somebody acts out of anger, if you can just step back and say, what, what are they fearful of? Why are they being angry? That's Especially at me. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> good point, for sure. Can I tell you a story Absolutely. about, okay, about being very, probably one of the most fearful I've ever been, and it was facing down an angry man. Mm -hmm. It was two o'clock in the morning, and my husband and I were sound asleep. I was, oh, probably about seven, eight months pregnant. We were in an old farmhouse a mile off any road. You know, this was in the middle of West Virginia, and we this truck comes barreling down the mountain ridge road, gravel flying, and he pulls up in our driveway. Our windows are open. It's the middle of the, um, you know, warm fall evening. And he starts screaming. He says, get out here. Get out here. And so John, my husband, you know, he gets out of bed and goes down and there he is talking to this fellow with a shotgun pointed at him in the middle of our driveway. And I knew it was anger that was making this man fearful because John and I had helped his ex-girlfriend move out of her home. And he was accusing us of stealing things, which of oh, course we hadn't. No. We had just helped her, yeah. you know, move things like her loom. Right, <laughs> she was yeah. actually a fiber person. Mm -hmm. And and he was drunk as a skunk, a drunken Irishman. And, and he had been a good friend of mine before I had gotten married. Yeah. So, all right, I lean out with my big belly out of that second story farm window and I start saying, you know, Jimmy, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. Let's let's really talk about this. And 
it took, and I and I started saying things. I felt like Christie, you know, in that book, Catherine Marshall. <laughs> yeah. I was starting to say things like, "Jimmy, remember that night we ate bear steaks and you cooked up all those wild mushrooms for me?" And yeah, yeah, I remember that. We had a good time that night. But oh yeah, we sure did, Jimmy. And you know, after about fifteen minutes of heart pounding, not knowing what was going to sure. happen, he put the gun away and drove off. Oh, wow. And, of course, there was no more sleep in the Ford household that <laughs> night. I mean, we were a wreck. Goodness. But, that yeah. That was scary. That was fear. That was fear and anger. That was total fear. Yes. Yeah, and his, um, how did John, I mean, I'm sure he was terrified, too, Yes. Uh, you know, because he knew this guy, because we had an incident in town years ago, I won't mention any names, of a similar situation, mm. and there was gun, an exchange of gunfire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Oh, it happens. Things can tip over into the uh, tragedy so quick. Yes. When people are out of control like that. Yes, but you know, I, yeah, I, I certainly believe in God, and... Angels around us, or yeah. whatever, yeah. And, and, and being and, able to keep your head—that's admirable mm -hmm. enough to get this fellow diffused and to be able to talk. Yeah, and and I really truly think that intelligence can can rule. Yeah, I really do. And well, you look back on fear and all the craziness that has been in this world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it certainly is now, but has been in the past. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying that sometimes you got to get down and dirty and fight it out. But in the long run, it is intelligence that works it out, that smooths out the details. Yeah. Well, I've often said that in any given situation, at least one person needs to have be in control. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, so if everybody else is losing their head... Um, if one person can keep a grip, mm -hmm. that may keep things from tipping over into tragedy. Oh, speaking of keeping a grip, can uh -huh. I tell one more and then sure, I'll, yeah. then You're I'll telling hush. me another one that was pretty interesting. <laughs> I didn't know about. Well, well, this one uh, actually happened to me at work. Mm -hmm. You know, I've worked with Alzheimer's patients yes. for uh, many years, and it was the middle of the night, and this big guy. He was, oh, he was probably close 90, but he was about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, big, healthy, strong guy, mm -hmm. huge hands. And those hands went, oh, he was sleeping in the bedroom of a patient who didn't want him there. Oh, and dear. she was screaming, get this man out of my bed. <laughs> so, you know, I'm the nurse. What do I do? I go in and I'm like, come on. Yeah. I'll, I'll call him Mark. I say, yeah. come on, Mark, get out of the bed. And... He got out of that bed and, you know, just lickety split and had his hands around my throat. And I mean, he was choking me. Oh and he God. was tall. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do. Because as a nurse, you're really not supposed to hurt your patients. I mean, you know, an elbow in the right place and I probably. But, you know, I, I, I just didn't know. he's 90, it's kind of like. Yes. Yeah, and he was strong and mad. Mm -hmm. And, um. All of a sudden, my little aide, and she was the cutest little 16, 17-year-old aide, working night shift. Oh, she was college age, I guess. Yeah. And 
she just started petting his arm, just petting it, going, hey, John, you want to come? Hey, Mark, do you want to come with me? Yeah. And he, of course, his eyes lighted up, and he just let go of my throat <laughs> and walked down the hallway holding hands with her. Oh, my God. But I was very fearful that I, I yeah. might die. Well, but she kept her head. That's right. She was the one who kept her head in yeah. the situation. And, and did what, what worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I yeah. was trying to think of anything. I, nothing has ever happened to me that dramatic. You have led a very blessed life. <laughs> yes, I actually have. The closest to a scary situation I ever had was when I was working in the city and um, in a a um, mall, and somebody kept messing with my car. Oh, now that is scary. Yeah, and I never did find out who it was or anything, um, but. Uh, Pretty soon after these situations started happening, we started getting escorted. They started escorting all the girls to their car, recommending that we go in groups, you know, that uh, because we were getting out at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Oh, yes. And this this car I had, I guess people just, just I don't know if people were watching me or somebody was watching me, which would be kind of creepy, and uh, to the point where um, somebody stuck an ice pick in the, we, in the tire and... Wow. Stuff like that. So. No, I see. I've worked those kind of jobs yeah. too, leaving yeah. late at night. For sure, but the you know the the mall security was good back then. Mm-hmm. You know when it, the ice pick incident was really the last one, and you know almost immediately after I figured out something was wrong, these guys were driving through the parking lot. The mall security guys. Uh, then when we tried to pump up the tire with the fix a flat and the White stuff is flying everywhere, <laughs> and I'm calling my roommate to come and get me. Yeah, that's when you know <laughs> there's the car malice. Is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Well, well, what other kind of fear? You you read those definitions. Yeah. Um, well, there are rational fears. I guess they're more like phobias. Oh, a lot of those. Yeah, and I have a phobia about cockroaches. I I, I can't even think about cockroaches without getting all shivery and feeling nauseated. Really? Yeah. and, and I never quite, knew that about you, yeah, Leslie. And it, yeah, and it's totally irrational. I mean, what can a cockroach do to me? Do we have cockroaches we in We don't Madison? here. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why you live here. Yeah, <laughs> and when I was in, um, the only time I ever saw cockroaches was when I was living in Northern Virginia, and I lived in this apartment complex, and it was clean. It was a nice place, but... The cockroaches, of course, were in the walls, and so the lady next door to me would fight them, and they'd move over in my place, and mm-hmm. I would fight them, and they'd move upstairs, and, you know, and then they would come in once in a while and spray. That was part of it, but that did no good, you know, because they can hide everywhere. That's how I woke up one morning at 2 a.m. with, I had one of these clocks with the flippy numbers. Oh, yes. We, yeah. we of a certain age yeah, know exactly age what you mean. the flippy numbers. And there was a cockroach sitting on the 2 of 2 a.m. Ooh. And so I picked up the clock and took it outside and threw it in the dumpster right then and there. <laughs> it got inside your clock? Huh? It was inside your it clock? It was inside the clock. Apparently, it's worn in there, and it was eating the wires or something. Oh, know. my goodness. And, so, and I, who knows how many were in there. I just took it and threw it all <laughs> And that was a night I did. I slept in the chair for like three nights running. <laughs> I couldn't uh, stand the idea of being in there. And I didn't realize. 
Uh, I also have a fear of ladders. I forgot about that one. Ladders? Yeah, I have an irrational fear of ladders. And I didn't know it until I was working in a paint store and we were doing inventory. And it was a big, one of those metal big buildings. And mm. it had shelves all the way to the ceiling, way up there. And so I, they wanted to count the paintbrushes on that um, shelf. So I said, oh, I'll do it. So I went up, and I couldn't get back down. Oh! <laughs> and Becky, the girl that works with me, had to come up and talk me down. Is that... So have you gotten up on ladders since? A whole lot, but you know, my knees grow hands, and I can clutch the ladder by... And, and I mean, a two-foot ladder, I still have this, this sick feeling. Yeah. Yeah, you know? you're not the only one. Yeah, and, no. but, but I can stand on the edge of a cliff, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me a bit. Heights doesn't, don't bother me. I can fly in an airplane, mm -hmm. and, but ladders bother me. Yeah. So I'm not sure where that kind of fear comes from. I wonder if it's, you know, nature versus nurture, mm -hmm. and it's, you, there's some memory of when you were little, you climbed a ladder. Maybe. I know I fell down a flight of stairs when I was little because I got a um, scar on my knee. Hmm. That, and, of course, that's one of the family stories. Well. Uh, that when I was like three or four, you know. And I got a dent in my head from some fall. I have to ask my mom what that is. I forgot. But, <laughs> but those things didn't make me afraid of... Um, maybe it's the fear of falling. Maybe. But yeah, that poor Becky getting up there and having to talk me down off that ladder, that, uh, off that shelf, that was sad. <laughs> so, you said you had a phobia that you overcame. Oh, I had a horrible fear of bees. Oh. I had been stung as a child. I had reached into a brush while I was playing softball with my sister and actually reached into a pine tree thinking it was the softball and it was a hornet's nest. Ooh. So I was covered. I was about seven at the yeah. time. And I was okay. You know, just a little baking soda on about 70 spots oh. on, on my body. But from that point on, I had a real fear. And yeah. once you have that, you emit... You know, the some sort of smell or it, it something. Attracts them. Sure. And, I mean, they would fly in windows of cars and sting me. Oh. I'd crawl into bed. There would be a bee. Um, it, it just happened all the time. Well, that's and not it, totally irrational. No, well, that's can true. Be dangerous. That's <laughs> true. And... But it was definitely turned into a phobia. Yeah. I mean, I'm like you. If I knew there was a bee anywhere in my house until I killed that thing and used a can of spray or, you know, something like that, I couldn't go to sleep in yeah. the house. Yeah. And I decided I really had to get over it. Yeah. So I called up my good friends, Tom and Grace Lynch, who own an apple orchard, um and a wonderful chair-making business, actually, up in West Virginia. And I called them up and asked if I could come work in the apple orchard during harvest. You know, just for a couple weeks. And I'd be, they didn't have to pay me or anything, but I'd work. I, yeah. You know, and they were doing cider making and, you know, marking trees, whatever. They hired probably ten people during the season. And, um... And they did pay me. They're like, yeah. Beth, you're working like a dog. We're going to yeah. pay you. So. 
and working around all those bees for a couple weeks and not having them bother me by the end of those two weeks it was like all right Did it's they gone bothering you? about 95 percent they didn't start being in your bed they did not no no and you. my fear is so much lessened yeah yeah they still i still have wasp in my bedroom but yeah and we all yeah old houses we exactly. all have wasps in our bedroom and the, and whatever but uh and you know of the all the people working in this the orchard that year there was only one person stung once and as he said it was my fault the guy's fault he reached back and like scratched yeah. and slapped and yeah, squished the bee against yeah him. and of course they're going to stain if you do right. that right yeah the only times i've ever really been stung is except for once is basically when i've you know mash one or right one. oh they find me they go down my shirt they <laughs> go up my skirt i mean bees were just yeah. people joke about it oh, Every, i mean everyone knew Good thing yeah. you didn't develop an allergy. Like oh yeah, never. Do. Oh yes. Yeah. So uh, one time I was walking down to the um, bunny house and this bee. I saw him. He was like fifteen feet away on something, and he came and nailed me. Yes. And yes. I was so mad. Yes. Like, what did I do to you? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was like one of those mean looking or one of those hornet types. Exactly. You know, yes, I, just, I was just in his space. I know. <laughs> I have been there. I know what you mean. But that's the only time that's ever really happened. I could uh, inexplicable mm -hmm. attack. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, there's you know, I think fear can be crippling. Oh please! In a lot of ways, I think we can make poor decisions if we're working out of fear rather than out of rational thinking, and that's yeah. unfortunate. Uh, and I think whole countries can make irrational decisions out of fear. You know, we've seen we've seen in history people be manipulated by fear, by irrational fears. Um, Hitler comes to mind first oh, off. Oh, and um, making an enemy of someone who's totally harmless. And I guess to an extent in um, Vietnam and Korea, even there may have been some of that. Well, think about think about the American Indians. Yeah, how uh, people came to fear them because, well, for several reasons. But one of them was being they're being portrayed as savages, yeah. and you know, just that whole it was it was fear that messed up that relationship between the European. And the American Indians. Fear and greed. Fear and greed. Yeah, fear and greed. Yes. And, you know, and I think probably the greed of some people manipulated the fear of others as well in that situation. Do you know an irrational fear that I have that just came to mind? Okay. I cannot watch a movie that has a wagon train scene in it. You know, like when they pull mm -hmm. up at night yeah. and they circle around and have the fires. And then there are Somebody Indians or whatever who are going to attack the yeah. wagon chair. I cannot. Even from the time I was a little girl, I had to leave the room. And everyone would say, oh, Bethy, you better leave. There, you know, here comes the wagon train scene. Well, somebody, some people, uh, I had a dear friend 
who I didn't realize that she was my third grade teacher and a, an amazing role model to me when I was in the third grade and on up. And then I, when I became an adult and formed a different relationship with her, I discovered that she believed in reincarnation. Yes. And that would have been her explanation. Oh, it's my explanation. Yeah, you know, and, and I would lead to that is, you know, when something like that in a small child that could not have had an experience of being, uh, you know, in this life, in that type of situation. I mean, absolutely. That's right. I mean, heart pounding. Yeah. Makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. This is some kind of memory. Well, you know, we've we've talked about the word. Maybe we should move on okay. to... Well, we've got a little suite, which is our projects. And um, I have just been making fingerless gloves for people for Christmas. I shipped off some today, and I have two more pairs to make. And then after that, I promise I'm going to start into something interesting that I can talk about as a knitting project theme. Oh, for our fiber friends who for are listening. For our fiber friends, for sure. So, um, you have uh, some stuff that's been going on. I do. Probably, yeah, probably one of the most exciting things in my life. Uh, the book that my siblings and I wrote actually was published and is now being sold on yeah. bookshelves. And yeah, it's a Tamarack and it's on well, Amazon. Well, it's not, it's not a Tamarack not yet. Not a Tamarack, okay. It will, it, it has to go through the jury process. Oh, of course, Which, yeah. um, hey, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Well, I saw so, it on a shelf, though, on somebody's, was that a bookstore local? That was, that was at Artistry on Main. In Buchanan. In Buchanan, Buchanan. Yes. yes. And it's on uh, several... Uh, gift shops, hospital yeah. gift shop, Good. and Good. yes, and it will be. Yeah, but we're yeah. just selling it. You know, I've got a box in the back of my trunk. Yeah, I sold... yeah. get a hold of Beth if you want one. I have <laughs> one. I haven't had a chance to read it yet because it's been crazy. But I sold one to Sharon Parker after church the other day, and, yeah. and she's handing me the money. I'm handing her the book. I said, "This is sort of like selling moonshine out yeah, of well, the, the back of the car." That was funny, yeah. but it was so much fun to be there with the, uh, you know, the five of us, mm -hmm. and we were reading from it and had people in the audience and yeah, people awesome. asking questions, and so it was, it was. You did a book launch. Uh, you did a book launch. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and we will do some others. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, probably awesome. even at Tamarack someday yeah. or at the West Virginia Book Festival, yeah. Festival of the Book in Charleston. Oh, cool. Next fall. So. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. Years ago, uh, I went to the Festival of the Book in uh, Charlottesville one time, and it was awesome. Oh, I'd love to go. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a really good thing to do. Yes. Very interesting. Get to see a lot of really cool people. So, that's your, is that everything for your projects? That's pretty much, we were a very busy Victorian Christmas oh, down yeah. at work at yeah, the Reynolds Homestead. Yeah. That has been a lot of fun. Yeah. We had a dance troupe in from um, Alexandria, and they told the story of a mouse in the house. And his Emily Dickinson poem, mm -hmm. that was the basis of this, cool. of this dance. Cool. It was wonderful. And the school kids... We just had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids that oh, yeah. came in last week and awesome. saw the play. So yeah. 
and the house is decorated. Oh, it looks beautiful. Yes. I'm sure it Wonderful does. volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So now we have something for a little tart, which is kind of reviews. And you had an intro. We don't really have a book. We couldn't find a book specifically about fear that either of us had read. Well, or that I thought was appropriate. Yeah. Of course, fear of flying came immediately yeah, that, to well, mind. We have both read that because when that came out, we were of an age <laughs> to get a hold of it. But we don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and fear and loathing in Las Vegas was yeah. another one. Yeah. But I couldn't remember if I actually read that book I or not. I did read it. And, um, Saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I did see the movie. And uh, it was... I don't think I understood it, right? Really, because that the whole experience was so out of my range of experience that you know that I just I'm, I'm not sure where the fear came in. Mm -hmm. I, I could see plenty of loathing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no. but you have something interesting. But, so, I one of my favorite sayings is. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Mm -hmm. And that was actually first written by Alexander Pope in a poem called An Essay on Criticism in 1709. Uh -huh. So it was a long time ago. But what I found very fascinating was how much that line has been used through the ages. Um... Abraham Lincoln used it in a speech in 1854. It was a Johnny Mercer song, Fool's Rush In, yeah. sung by Frank Sinatra and Ricky Nelson. How about that? <laughs> um, oh, I really like the fact that it was in Bob Dylan's song, Joker Man. Uh -huh. So there you had it there. And... It was also in Cary Grant's, when he was in the movie, The Bishop's Wife, they used that line. Okay. So there were, there were, there's lots of examples here and lots of examples that just use the, the second half of the line where angels fear to tread. Uh -huh. But fools rush in. What does that mean? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Okay, well, you've been thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> I'll chime in. Well, that sometimes, and this can be good and bad, we react before we think. Right. And it's almost fight or flight, yeah. too, which, you know, with fear, fight or flight is well, the, 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 right, the physical reaction that you have. And sometimes you, you have to be a fool to act. Like say a child is drowning and you jump in with, yeah. just without thinking. Yeah. Um, of course, I think angels would jump in too. So I'm not so yeah. sure that that. Yeah. And maybe in the bad side of that idea is you might jump into a relationship. That that's my that's first the biggest thought. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where you're being, you're just being a fool. Yeah. But Going you don't blind. care. Going right. blind. <laughs> Going right. blind. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think you're probably right with that. It's, um, to me, it always meant somebody that was just totally irrationally focused on something. So maybe a little bit into our zealot. Mm -hmm. um, 
discussion last time that they're so focused on something that nothing else matters uh, they might rush into a situation that the angels would know better right than to get into so I think that, you're right yeah and I think that's where we got into how we got into the fear from the zealotry <laughs> mm -hmm. I read that book by the way you did yes, yes. and I loved it well, it tell was, the folks about it and it, the, the title again. Yeah, it was Zealot by, um, the last name was Aslan, and I can't remember the first name. Um, it was very, I thought it was very balanced. Uh, the thing that impressed me most about it was that when he pointed out, uh, because you went a little bit into his background where he converted to Christianity and then he kind of went back to um, his um, Muslim faith from what he, he had grown up with. Right, and he yeah. was a biblical scholar, yeah, too, Yeah, very much a biblical right? scholar. Yeah. And uh, the thing that impressed me most is he pointed, while he was pointing out all these hundreds of people who, um, during the uh, first century, were um, messiahs, or claimed to be messiahs. There were, there were literally hundreds. I mean, th that cross and those three crosses were not up on that hill by themselves. No. It was called the Hill of Skulls because there were hundreds of people crucified for being um, rebels, being traitors, being not what Rome wanted at the time. And Pilate, pretty much, he just signed death orders all day long, uh, the way he's portrayed in some writers. Um, so, but uh, what this fellow pointed out almost at the end of the book was, we remember Jesus. That's right. You know, and he did go into some reasons why, you know, from the writings and Paul and, and all of the all of that. But that was pretty much his last sign. This is the one we remember. Out of all those And that impressed me greatly. Mm hmm You know. So I take kind of an analytical approach to most things, including fear and anger. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, I think we're supposed to. We're supposed to reason. That's why God gave us a brain to reason. I remember one time up at the store where I used to work, something happened, and the next day I came in. I said, you know, that made me mad. It's like it took me a whole day to decide <laughs> I was going to be angry about it. Mm. So, yeah, that well, that's probably why you don't get fearful. Maybe. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I, but I really don't remember any major situations like what you're talking about but um, mostly i don't think i don't live with fear oh, hanging no. over a lot of people do no. they'll say oh my goodness how could you drive alone to you know florida or yeah. massachusetts or whatever right. or how can you even you know live alone or take walks alone and i'm like well how could you not exactly. I, I don't yes no and the, the kind of life the kind of lifestyles that we both live might be considered by some people a little on the edge. Hmm. Do you think? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, particularly but, me, because I'm self-employed and uh, pretty much living, you know, whatever I can sell. Right. Oh, yes. And that would be very fearful. You know, we hadn't even thought about that, but people have economic fears. Oh, yeah. 
big time. More and maybe and now. yeah, and, and maybe I should. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe I should we should too. have have yeah. more. But yeah, in fact people make decisions. I I have known people who say they got married because they they were too scared to live alone. Yeah. And I just, I can't imagine that can't you, that would be either. the reason yeah. that you would do something. Yeah. Yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see that, and I, I have seen that, but it's not a, going back to what we were talking about, making decisions out of fear, it's not always the best way, or I think it's rarely the best way to huh. do something. I think you really need to step back anytime you're making a decision. I know um, when some when, when women, I guess, mostly are widowed more than men, but they say not to make a not to make major decisions for a year. Right. right. Do what you absolutely have to do to keep going. You know the things that you have to handle, but don't don't sell the car, don't sell the house, don't do the major things for a year. Because you'll make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people say that. So I think, I, yeah. Sage advice. Yeah, and I think um, fear would be the same thing. Don't make a huge decision because you're afraid. So mm. we kind of strayed out of a little tart there, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. We, that's okay. we discussed a book and yes. Alexander Pope and. <laughs> yeah. And so, a little unexpected, you had some um, quotes, and I had some quotes for a change. There were some good quotes yeah. out there on fear. You go right ahead. Okay, the one I like the best, um, Do One Thing Every Day That Scares You, by Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, isn't that wonderful? I think that's a great one. And I don't know if it's really a fear but I'm not good at new things. I'm not good at tackling something new. Yes, you are. Not really. Think how you are with computers. That's not new. It okay. was at one time. <laughs> okay, so what's something new? Well, it took me 10 years to learn to knit. I had a huge mental block on how to learn to knit. Hmm. It took me 10 years to do that. Um, but did it scare you? Well, I don't know if it's really a fear or, or just a, I'm not sure how to describe it, but I think this is good advice. I don't know how I would work it in. But well, <laughs> I, I think maybe, maybe we have to be aware. Yeah. And when we think, okay, um... I need to, it is hard to sort of just pull something out of the air, but I know I have said to myself, oh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Now, I've said that a lot right. to myself. Well, if you were somebody, uh, one of my nephews um, the other day mentioned that he was afraid of public, that he disliked public speaking. He didn't really say afraid, but he was going to speak at his cousin's funeral. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, so that that type of idea, I think, would be, you know, come under the sign if you just really hate uh, to do that, yeah. or, or if it really makes you frightened, maybe that's something you ought to think about tackling, or if you don't like, um, say you don't, don't like strangers, 
-hmm. smile at somebody in a store. Right. Or something. Just something tiny. Tackle your fears. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure there are a lot. Or um, even something big. Yeah. Jump out of that airplane with the parachute. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I Climb that ladder again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's something, well, like the ladder. I didn't realize that I would be afraid. See, that's that how was, I did it. That was a primal thing. Yeah, I did not realize at all that I would be afraid until I did it. And the cockroach thing either, because I'd never seen a cockroach before I moved to Northern Virginia. Hmm. Yeah, fear is, you know, I think it all springs from fear of death. In fact, Woody yeah. Allen had a quote. He yeah. said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> And, but I, I do, I think, uh, subliminally, or, or um, yeah. there's there's just always that that fear of death. Well, yeah, you know, you wake up at three in the morning, and you got a ache in the wrong place, and mm -hmm. like, oh, God, it's the breast cancer time, or whatever. Right, right. So. Or you wake up at three in the morning, and you sit up in your bed, in your bed and you say, one of these days, I'm going to be dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure yes. we've all done that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I brought that up at spiritual group one time. Mm -hmm. You know, our Tuesday evening meeting yeah. here in Mezzadan. I brought that up because I had had that happen like the night before. Yeah. I said, y'all do that. Get up at, you know, just wake up out of a deep sleep and say, oh my God, I'm going to die. Not that you're going to die that instant. That but instant, that... But eventually the world is going to have to do without you. Yes. <laughs> And there was one fellow there that said, I've never had that thought in my life. I'm like, really? Really? I know. Yeah. So, but you put it in his head now. I still, I still <laughs> doubt that that's, that's my, But it's not a fear of death, per se. Yeah. Because I definitely have a very strong belief in an afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that, but it is... Well, being there is not going to be pleasant for anybody. You know. Well, the the thing that bothers me more is to be incapacitated in some Oh, way. yes. You know, I think I would handle being dead a whole lot better than I would handle being incapacitated. And you don't get to choose. Well, sometimes you do. I mean, there's yeah. there's whole ethics that well, yeah, are... Yeah, you get into another yeah, thing And there. studies. Yeah. I, I went to a program at Chautauqua a couple summers ago that was about that very issue really? of where do you draw the line of how incapacitated you want to be yeah. before something is done. Right. And the whole ethical question of, you know. Yeah, that's a big question. It was. And, and it is uh, starting to be addressed in some places. Yes. I've been noticing lately. Yeah. Yeah. We we won't get into that no, right we won't now get into that that because it and is very debatable. Yeah, but. and and I do think people have to, and maybe that's some of religion. People have to come into a um, reconciliation with this because it's the inevitable. So people have to come up with something to deal with their own deaths and the deaths of those around them. Well, as a nurse, you know, and a geriatric sure. nurse, had to deal with it quite a bit. Yep. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I have another one. Good. 
And it's, the enemy is fear. We think it is hate, but it is fear. And Gandhi said that. Oh, very good. And that's that's sort of what JC. Yeah, our there friend, we are. We're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so the enemy is fear. I think that's true. And I think it gets to be more and more an enemy as time goes on, lately. Oh. And a lot of people are getting their their fears played up to. Yeah, and hate is being encouraged. Yeah. I just don't understand and it. The, the, the decisiveness uh, is not a good thing. No. A lot of bigotry and prejudice yep. and fear. Yep. The fear of the thing you do not know. Now, see, I always want to find out about it. If there's something I don't know, I want to find out about different religions and different ways of life. I don't do as much of it as I should. But, you know, everybody's, people are all coming from the same place. That's right. They they have a sense of being. Yeah. They love their children. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's almost universal. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, it is universal yeah. unless you get a few kooks out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's, but we're talking just mainstream, ordinary people in Africa and Asia and uh, Europe and America and South America, we we have common, we have more in common than not. Absolutely. In general. And so why are we so divided? Makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Well, do we have time for one more quote? Absolutely. I've got one by John Lennon. Okay. There are two basic motivating forces fear, and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. We need to learn to love ourselves first in all our glory and, and our imperfections. If we cannot love ourselves, we cannot fully open to our ability to love others or our potential to create. Evolution and all hopes for a better world rest in the fearlessness and open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. Awesome. Awesome. And loving yourself is hard for some people, I think. It was hard for me for a long time. Hmm. You know, it's I, 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 when I finally figured out that I liked myself pretty well is when I discovered I liked my name. I didn't like my name when I was young. Really, yeah. Leslie. Yeah, I don't Such know why. Such a nice name. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, and um, but when I finally figured out that I liked my name, and there were there's a lot of things I don't like about myself. Well, sure, sure. But, but you basically have to accept this is me. I kind of hit, when I hit 40, I had this huge, about three months after I hit 40, I had this huge mental shift. And everything was okay. That's wonderful. And the worst things that have ever happened to me have happened to me since I was 40. But this mental shift, I guess maybe it's maturity, I was able to handle it better. My 30s were awful. Hmm. 
emotionally. My oh, years. mine were too. Yeah. I didn't like my thirties. Yeah, the thirties mm. were the hardest years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I hit forty, it's just like something snapped in my head, and everything was totally okay. Ah, <laughs> neat. But that don't mean I'm perfect. Oh, heavens! Not no. totally. Anyway, no. <laughs> we shake our hands at ourselves in the mirror sometimes, oh, don't we? Yeah. What were you thinking? <laughs> uh, sometimes I think I would really like to have a camera up just to record the ludicrous situations I get myself into, particularly with the animals. You know, it's it's just silly, and you can't describe it. Like today, I was. Um, I bent over Emma to put on her leash, and Knightley was in his box, and he decided to come out. He ran out of the kitchen, leaped over me, <laughs> you know, as I was bent over Emma, and hit the, you know, hit the sofa, and he's ready to go outside. But, you know, you describe it, it's not that funny, but I'm sure it looked hilarious. And those are the moments that you are embracing life. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, if he had knocked me down, it would have been another story. <laughs> and see, there are people who would have feared, oh, I couldn't have a big dog. They might knock me down. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, he, he knows better. <laughs> right. But. But that is how someone who lives with fear right. looks at the world. Right. Oh, I couldn't have two dogs. What if they fought? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, if you live by what if, sure. What if they brought germs in the house? Well, I'm sure they do. <laughs> Nightly's a boy dog. So. Right, right. <laughs> oh, the other night, um, well, the other morning I went out, and there was two big muddy spots on my uh, wall. And two nights before that, the dogs had started barking, and I went down and I turned on all the lights. I looked out the windows, I didn't see anything, so I went back to bed. And then, of course, it was a bear. And why he stood up there... On your front porch? It was uh, to the right-hand side of the front porch. Oh. In that room I don't really... Uh, outside that room I don't right. really use. And so I don't know why, but it's obvious it's a bear paw print. He was looking in your window. He may have been looking in the window trying to figure out something. But, of course, when the dogs barked and... Um, he was looking for Goldilocks. Yeah, maybe. And with all the um, noise, I'm sure he just left. Mm. And they're just uh, moving. But I didn't go outside that day. But a few nights before that, Emma got real unsettled. And I took her out to go potty. I took her down to the end of the driveway. And she starts barking up toward my mom's house. Ooh. Yeah, But I didn't really even think about it. Mom was kind of mad at me when I tell her about it. But <laughs> Yes. Well, we then we saw the picture Bob Potter got of the bear in his right. backyard, and that's just right up the over the hill from right. you. Right, and then my cousin Amy had bear paw prints all over her car a few nights before. I saw the picture. Yeah, because yeah. She, uh, works she lives for, on the other side of the hill. That's right. <laughs> They're just walking by your yeah. place. Yeah, so, and when I mention these things, people have all these suggestions of what I ought to do, you know, to protect myself, but I really... Don't worry about it too much. When I'm walking later in the evenings, I sing all the way down the road. You and me both. Yeah. That's and, right. You know, because I don't want to surprise the bear, but they're mm -hmm. black bears. And they're um, not, in general, shy, although the uh, lady that had the beast. Um, 
Oh, yes, Leanne. Yeah, mm. uh, felt so bad about that. But she said her, her dog ran up there and the bear swatted at it Ooh, and didn't yeah. leave. Yeah, that's... That kind of situation would be upsetting. So, um... Well, and here's maybe the time to mention that sometimes fears are rational and oh, yeah. you have to use good sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we develop fear for a reason. Right. To, a to healthy, keep you safe. A yeah. healthy dose. <laughs> yeah, to help you safe. It's just when you get into... And, and I think maybe fear as an emotion is a different thing than fear as a response. Hmm. Or is that off the wall? I may have to think about yeah, that one. Because because there is we've been kind of talking about fear more as an emotional state mm -hmm. rather than a response to a situation. Right. Although you know you're talking about when the guy was holding the gun on your uh, the gun on your husband, that was was a response to a situation. But a hmm. lot of what we've been talking about has been a little bit more abstract. <laughs> I think. Well, I just think we have all kinds of things to keep on pondering. I think so. After. And so next time, I think we should talk about something totally different. Well, it's your turn. It's unless turn. one of our listeners have sent anything in. No, but I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. Well, I think we should talk about Celebrate for oh, this season. Excellent. I think excellent. that would be a good thing to talk about. I've been doing all this reading about early church history and uh, about all the Jewish celebrations. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, because I really don't, I really didn't understand some of them as well uh, as I should have. And then there's lots of other things that we can get into. Oh, absolutely. Well. And we'll, we'll try and do that before Christmas. Before Christmas, we should be able to get yes. it Yes. Yeah, so celebrate. 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 Oh. Yep. And then, well, thank you. That'll yeah. be a fun one. I think that'll be fun. And you can find our uh, show notes at quincepodcast.com. We're also on iTunes. You can find it under Quince Podcast or Beth. You can find it under Quince Podcast or Beth Almond Ford or Leslie Sheeler. Um, we also have a website, um, www.quincepodcast.com, and we're on Facebook. And so we will be talking to you in a couple of weeks. Good night.